Welcome to the Living Word with me, Sarah Tundu Ajala Emanuel. Um, I would like us to continue. Well, I would like to continue on the matter of effective praying, which I started a little while back. Uh, this was another uh, another uh, part of that message of effective praying. You know, prayers that delight God. Because um, in my experience as a Christian, well, even before I became a Christian, I've known people to pray. All kinds of people pray. Uh, even people who don't believe in God, you'd be surprised that when they run into problems, they tend to pray to someone out there. They say, there's someone out there, you know, maybe, you know, maybe they'll answer me and do this and do that. And they ask people they know are religious to pray for them. Now, um, I have also known and still know a lot of frustrated believers. Now, that ideally should be a contradiction in terms you know, having uh, frustrated believers, you know, people who pray. We are supposed, the church of God, are people of prayer, people who know God. But that's the problem, you see, knowing God. I mean, a lot of people know about God, but how many people do know God? And to be able to pray effectively, you need to know God. You need to know to whom you're communicating. You need to be, to have intimacy with God. You need to have very deep knowledge of God. You know, you need to know who he is. You need to know his person. You need to know. I mean, it's it's like in, even in our human re- relations, you know, we in dealing with one another, we, we cannot deal effectively with one another unless we really know one another. We find that that the more the closer we are to a person, the more intimate we are with a person, the more knowledge of a person we we have the better our communication with them. And it's even more so in prayer. So the last time I, I talked about things that, you know, what prayer certainly is not, because there's so many things that are said, noises, I call them, that are shouted up to heaven that are really, really useless and absolutely of no effect, you know. And, and the people who, who do utter them know they're of no effect. They, they sort of hang in there hoping that one day it will be answered or somehow God would listen at some points. What I've seen and um, a lot of frustration and heard a lot of voiced out frustrations about God not answering prayers. Oh, God doesn't answer prayers like he used to. But you know what? God is immutable. He is the same. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today and forever. God is still God. He is still all powerful. He is still all knowing and he's still omnipresent. So nothing has changed. We have to examine ourselves. Where are we going wrong? God can never go wrong. It is us. What is the problem? If we are praying and it's not happening, are we praying the way we ought to? Are we actually communicating with God? Are we actually in communion with God? You know, the God to whom we're praying. So this is what we're going to look at. I mean, in, in summary, before I go into greater detail, I'll tell you a few of us what I know, you know, in my experience and my personal relationship with, with God, what I know that prayer is. And also, uh, this will be in line with scripture, what I've known. My knowledge of God has not come through um, a great big vision or an appearance of an angel or the Lord Jesus Christ is not the foot of my bed and talking to me like a, Many are want to <laughs> put forward that they've had these phenomenal um, encounters. I haven't had any such phenomenal encounter, but I've come to know the Lord through his word. And that is amazing. That's, uh, you know, I think that's a fantastic thing because every believer has access to his word. So we can all know God as much as we want, as much as we desire. You know, the more we, we, we devote ourselves 
to learning of him, to studying his word, and not just studying for theological reasons or for scholarly reasons, but actually studying with a view to knowing him, you know, the, the, the better for us. And the more we do that, the more we, we know of him because God is not in hiding from any of us. He actually delights to reveal himself to us, to show himself to us. He, he, he delights in our, in our intimacy with him. He delights in our knowledge of him. And, he, you know, he's not in hiding. Like I always say, you know, he says, um, the Lord, the Bible tells us the Lord is near, you know, um, he's, he's never far away from us. He's here. We have actually had the best. I mean, those of us in this generation, we've had the best and the very best of our introduction to God through our Lord Jesus Christ when he came into the world, when he was incarnate and dwelt amongst us. Okay, not this, not my generation. I wasn't here, but I have all the evidence in the written word to know that he did come. <laughs> I can believe it. The nation of Israel is, you know, living example of God's uh, grace and his interaction with his people. And, you know, he actually formed that particular nation. They are evidence of God's existence and God's power and God's word. And um, most importantly is my personal transformation from sinner to saint is absolute evidence that God is. And so I thank him because I've come to know him, not because I sought him out, because man by searching cannot find God, but he himself seeks us out. And then we have access to his word, and it's up to us whether we want to believe his word or not. But I find that um, this is where the faith comes in, the matter of faith, which is not as fickle as people think that, oh, faith, I tell people, ask a lot of Christians, what they say, what faith is said, it means if I ask God for something, I'll get it. But then they're frustrated because they find that they are asking God for things and they're not receiving these things. So, you know, they're not really sure, but they say it. No, no. Faith, true faith is actually believing that God is. And God is everything he says he is. That's faith. And then running with that, regardless of of your personal circumstances, you know God is. And this is the basis of effective brain. Believing God, knowing who God is, believing who God is, and just honoring him and living with him and walking with him and obeying him regardless, because you believe that he is who he says he is. So <clears throat> I'll tell you, I'll run through what I know that prayer is. For one thing, prayer is worship. Prayer is worship. It's not just an issue of taking a shopping list up to God. I said that in my last broadcast. I said a lot of things that prayer isn't. So I'm not going to go through that list again, uh, just to save time. But um, you can find that uh, broadcast on my page or on all the other uh, uh, media streams that I use for my broadcast or podcast, uh, Spotify, Buzzsprout and YouTube. And um, I said everything there about what prayer is. And so what prayer is? Prayer is worship. It's actually a, a mode of worship. It's worshiping God. It is coming before God in all reverence to commune with him, to speak with the living God. I thank God for who he is. I thank God for Christianity, for Jesus Christ, our Lord, who is living. He is living. And how do I know he's living? Because everything he promised when he was on earth, everything he promised after his resurrection from the dead, <clears throat> everything he promised before his ascension, he has delivered. And the final thing we await 
his, his return, his second return. And why should I doubt he's going to return? I have no doubt in my mind whatsoever. He who came is the same one who will return in glory. So, um, it's, you know, he promises the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has come. He's done the most amazing work. He's still doing the most amazing work in believers, in transforming our lives, our new birth. I know who I was before I met the Lord. I know who I am now by the grace of God. So nobody can tell me that there, Jesus Christ was just a prophet or was just a, a man or was just a good teacher. Much more than that, he was God. He is God. And um, he alone has that transforming power. All the other religions of the world have got some kind of gods they pray to that as far as I'm concerned, are no gods at all whatsoever. And um, so they... I can appreciate them not knowing how to pray because they have no personal intimacy. Only Christians pray to our Father who is in heaven. Do you know God as your Father? That's another thing. You know, if you're just praying to some distant icon and hoping that he will hear you if he really is there, that prayer is not by faith. That prayer is not based on a knowledge of the Lord. And if you do not have knowledge of the Lord, there is no way you can pray effectively. If you're just praying, that's what all the other religions do. They've got some, they've been told there's some spirit being or some supreme power or something somewhere up there in heaven. And so they, you know, say some chantings and repeat their chantings over and over and over and over and all sorts of things and do uh, they instructed to carry out all sorts of religious rituals and things and hope that that God, whatever it may be, I wouldn't say who because I'm sorry, there is, cannot be a who. There's only one God and he's the living God that the Christians know and worship and he's our father. There is no other religion that calls God father. They don't because they don't know who to whom they're praying. They don't know to whom they're singing their chantings and things. So, you know, but Christians, it's different. We talk to our Father who is in heaven. He is living. He responds to us. And this is the thing where we have Christians who believe that God is not answering their prayers and not responding to their prayers. Then there's something wrong with you. There's nothing wrong with God. It's you. You have to see what is it you're praying or how is it you're praying or do you actually know the God to whom you're praying, because God answers his children. We have the assurances of God all over the scriptures that tell us. We know in Psalm 34, he says, the eyes of the Lord are always on the righteous and his ears are always attentive to their cries. So, you know, the, the same Psalm tells us the righteous, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them from them all. So where you find this isn't happening then there's some, there's nothing wrong with God and his word. There's something wrong with you. If, if I find this not happen, there's something wrong with me, not God. You know, I mean, a lot of the things that people put forth in the name of prayer are not even prayers in the first place. Some of them are just foregone conclusions that people continue to repeat. God is not deaf. I mean, he's not blind to our needs. He knows his children. He knows his children and he knows all our needs. That's why our Lord Jesus Christ said, seek you first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all other things. And in saying all other things, remember in context, it started by talking about our daily needs, our basic material needs. And he said, all these other things, God will add unto you. You concern yourself with God's business and God will concern himself with your business. But people want to do it the other way around. I mean, certainly a lot of the nonsense that goes on in, in, in a lot of, well, I can almost say most places today that that, that are called prayers are, are certainly not talking to the sovereign God. I mean, you know, the um, 
health and wealth prosperity preachers. They are, well, they are envoys of Satan. These people do not know the Lord. They are not sent of God. That's why their prayer format is um, seek you first the world and everything is got to offer and the kingdom of God will be added on to you. Now, it's not going to happen. You know, they did not go to the cross for you. These charlatan pastors, they are nothing but sinners. They're not even repentant sinners. That's why they can lie in the name of the Lord and mislead people. They're not known to God. If they're known to God, they're known as sons of perdition, people destined for hell. Second Peter 2, Jude, they talk about these people. We cannot go beyond what is written. We cannot go beyond the instructions of our Lord Jesus Christ. So prayer is worship. It is a worship thing. Prayer is not going to God to tell him what I need. He knows exactly what I need. Prayer is me going to the Father daily and saying, Father, here I am. Thank you for another day. So here I am. What do I need to do today for you? What, what would you have me do today? Where would you have me be? What would you have me you know, say? You know, what is my assignment for the day? It is worship. Prayer is giving glory and honor to God for who he is, uh, all that he does, all he has done, all he is doing, all that he will do. This is, again, where your faith comes into it. How much do you believe the word of God? We've got his eternal promises. We've got the most amazing promises of what God is going to do with us. I mean, we can tell what is already done with us in our transformation, our new birth, our salvation, the forgiveness we have received, all the blessings that come with that. There is a lot that was wrong with us before we came to know the Lord Jesus Christ. And then we came to know the Lord Jesus Christ, if we truly do know the Lord Jesus Christ, because many say they do and don't really. They just follow in the you know, rigmarole of religion. That's no use to anyone, and that's not going to deliver anything. But for those people who do know the Lord, we can testify to our transformed lives. We can testify to the presence of God in us. I mean, people say they're praying, and then they say, no, God, send down the Holy Spirit, send down the Holy Spirit. What do I send down the Holy Spirit? That's a foregone conclusion if you're a believer. At the time of your conversion, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit. He lives in you. Our Lord Jesus Christ said to us in, in, in chapter 14 of John, Jesus said, if you obey my words, if you love me, you will obey my words. And my Father will love you. And we will come and make our home with you. So why am I asking God to send down the Holy Spirit? To do what? He lives in me. But the problem with people is a lack of faith, ignorance of the word of God, unbelief in the word of God. So you're asking for the Holy Spirit. What do you want him to come and do to you? Because if 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 you're truly transformed, if you are regenerated, you know that the Holy Spirit is in you. Because we know that we are not capable of transforming our own lives. No matter how hard I tried to change myself before I came to know the Lord, when I knew that certain things I was doing were bad and they were wrong, and I tried to stop, I couldn't. I just couldn't. I didn't have the power to, because I was overpowered by the evil one who lives in the world. That's the devil, because he is the father of the sons of disobedience. Because I did not know the Lord, I was walking in disobedience. So, of course, I was powerless against the devil. I had no power to do anything. But when I came to know the Lord, his word is what transformed me. You know, it's just as simple as that. You now filled with the spirit of God who quickens our spirits. And when you read it and God says, thou shalt not steal. Well, that's it. It's final. God says, thou shalt not steal. So I won't steal. 
And because we live the word of God, because the Holy Spirit is in you, you you don't steal. This is something you couldn't do before by yourself. You know, so people ask for things that are already theirs. You know, people are asking, oh, God, you know, please provide my food for tomorrow. Did he not feed you yesterday? Did he not feed you today? Why bother him with about tomorrow? You know, people are too. We cannot be so selfish in our prayers and expect God to listen. He knows our needs. Jesus Christ, our Lord, said, God knows you need these things. These are the daily sustenance things. So he said, God knows the pagans run after these things. Those are the words of our Lord himself, that the pagans run after material things. And why do they do that? Because they don't know the God of creation. Because they don't know the God who who, who supplies, who provides, Jehovah Jireh. They don't know him. So they're hoping for the best with each day, like, well, if there is a God out there, I hope he is hearing me. I hope he will do this. I hope he will. No, we don't live in that kind of hope. Hope for the believer is so sure, is so certain. Our hope is not that sort of, well, I hope it happens or I hope it doesn't happen. No, our hope is so firm. Our hope is what we have. It's what we know. It's what is assured. Incredible. So a lot of waste of time happens in the name of prayer. And then people are wondering why it seems their prayer life is not as good as, well, uh, their prayers are not as effective as they would like them to be. Prayer, like I said, is worship and adoration of God. It's giving glory and honor to God for who he is, for all he does. He's done so much already. I say it all the time, and I'll say it again, that for all the Lord has done in my life, if it doesn't do anything else, I'm fine. I'm absolutely fine. I've got a secure future. This is so secure. I've, I, I've got a salvation. I've been converted. I mean, citizen of the kingdom of God. I, I live by his grace on a daily basis. You know, the ability to carry on in my walk with him through thick and thin, no matter what I'm going through. The ability to resist temptation. The ability to keep standing on the trial and tribulation. That's, it's done so much for me that it doesn't matter what else he gives or not, doesn't give to me in the world. He really, it really means nothing. I've had, I've got so much, so much. This is what the Bible talks about when it says about riches in Christ, you know, uh, uh, the riches in Christ and the heavenly realms, you know, the blessings. It's not about material things as many people, you know, tend to um, uh, interpret it to mean. No, no, God is not going to encourage our sense of covetousness. He is not going to answer prayers of worldliness because he has told us to separate ourselves from the world. So why would I go and badger him with worldly requests and canalities and expect him to respond? Of course he won't respond. He is God. He is holy and he's what is final. So prayer is is actually voicing our, our allegiance to God. And this is what we find in the model prayer that the Lord Jesus Christ taught. His disciples when they said, teach us to pray. In um, We'll look at that in a little bit. But in, in Matthew chapter 6, from verse 9 to 13 there, okay, there's a prayer. And I know that in a lot of places, um, what is called the Lord's Prayer, it's been termed as, is recited and recited like a nursery rhyme over and over. And people say that's prayer. You know, we have the Roman Catholics, jokers, with their rosaries. And they're saying it, you know, so many times you know, repeating the same thing or repeating Hail Mary or something, the same thing. These are what the Lord calls vain babblings, vain babblings. I mean, it would annoy me to no end <laughs> if my child were to come and stand before me and repeating the same thing. 
Mama, I want to go. Mama, I need a new skirt. 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 I'm trying to say 100 times out. Oh, I don't want to tell you what I'll do to that child, but certainly that child's not going to get anything out of me. It's going to be a question of get out of my sight very quickly before I get angrier than I am with your ridiculous, you know, lamentation or chanting. How much more? And this is what happens when people are told, oh, yeah, say Hail Mary 100 and something times or say our father so many times or say this or say that. The pagans do that. Every kind of pagan worship, they do that. In Islamic prayers, they do that. Repeating the same thing over and over and over to a rosary and counting of beads and all that. And you know why? It's the same reason I said earlier. Because they do not have a personal God to whom they're speaking. They don't know to whom they're praying. They're clueless. But we, Christians, we are talking to the sovereign God, the holy God, the immortal God, the living God. Why would I come and be repeating the same chantings over and over and over and over? It's so stupid. And this is exactly what the Lord Jesus said we're not to do. So we come before God and we speak objectively. We're speaking to a God who listens. We're speaking to a person. So I cannot continue repeating the same things. Now, there are some prayers. Now, there's a place because I know somebody might say, yeah, but the Lord says, you know, you, you know um, you, we, should, we should be persistent in prayer. Yes. It's not saying repeat the same things over and over in one prayer. No, there are some prayers that I say all the time. Every day I repeat them. I'll give you an instance. Every day I cry out to God for the comfort of the suffering church. Every day. And I'm going to do that as long as I breathe. Because that is always a necessity. And it's not because God isn't looking after his children, by the way. Because we've got to be careful about the words we use as well. Lest we make God sound like, a, appear like an irresponsible father. No, no, no. I don't say to him, oh, father, you know, your children are being imprisoned and their heads are being cut off and they're being persecuted. Lord, oh, please come for, you know, rise up to their defense and things. He knows. He's already standing there. He's always there in their defense. I pray for those saints. Father, please, you know, continue to uphold them. Let their faith not fail. You know, things like that. Uphold them through it all. May they count their losses, gain for the sake of gaining Christ. You know, things like that. And those sort of prayers, yeah, I say them every day. That sort of traveling in prayer, that kind of thing you, you say every day. It's not just that that's not vain babbling, carrying on every day. Vain babbling is standing there repeating the same rubbish over and over and over and over and over and over again. The Lord's Prayer, as it's famously known, is not to be, uh, in my opinion, anyway, and my experience of my knowledge of God and my, uh, and my relationship with God. It's not something we just repeat. And I don't think that was the Lord's intention that we repeat is to, you know, you just say it quickly, hurriedly and get off and that's it. You've done your daily prayer. No, no, no. It's a model of how. This is how you should pray. He said, it is that these are the things you should say specifically. This is how you should pray. And like I said, we'll go into that in a little more detail in, 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 a, in, a, in a bit. So we give thanks and praise to God for who he is. Then we confess our sins to God. Yes, because we cannot commune with God unless we're, we've got a pure conscience before him. You know, I cannot go and carry out a lot of malicious activities or, or some fornication or adulterous thing or, or lying or stealing or any other evil. And then come and say, I want to pray with God. I can't just go and lose my temper with someone 
get totally angry and also, and then come before God to commune with God. He, God is holy. And he has told us, be holy because I am holy. We cannot come before him with a lot of malice in our hearts. That's why our Lord Jesus Christ said, look, if you don't forgive others when they sin against you, your, your heavenly father will not forgive you. Now, that's not talking about the forgiveness unto salvation. No, no. If we're, if we're forgiven, we are. We will remain forgiven as far as salvation is concerned. But, but there will be rewards for our activities. And so, of course, and uh, there will be consequences also for our activities. So in situations like that, if you are so hard-hearted because someone has offended you and you think, I can never forgive them, then don't expect God to forgive you either. So we come before God and we confess because the we, as believers, we will have moments of weakness every now and then. Not a habit because nobody who belongs to God perpetually sins. No, that used to be our lives. It's no longer our lives. That's why we're not sinners. We're saints. And you know what? I have, I have known one or two Christians who, not wanting to sound um, sanctimonious, will insist that they are sinners. Oh, no, I'm a sinner, I'm a sinner. No, I'm going, no, but we've been transformed from sinner to say, no, I'm a sinner. Look, false humility does nothing with God. We have been transformed from sinner to saint. And we know that uh, the Bible also teaches us that a man is a slave to whatever has mastered him. So if I'm going to walk around daily, being a child of God, knowing Jesus Christ is my Savior, is my Lord, knowing that the Spirit of God lives in me, knowing that I walk with God, knowing that I, may, I commune with God, if I'm going to go around telling myself that I'm a sinner, I'm a sinner, then there'll be nothing to stop me from sinning because that is the frame of mind in which I'm walking. But we are saints. And because we are saints, we must carry ourselves and behave appropriately. This is exactly the issue. When we come on, we see people in the world. We see the royal family, members of the royal family. Okay, yeah, maybe they're not the best examples. But the queen certainly is. <laughs> She's kept herself well. And um, they have to carry themselves in a certain way. You know, they have certain decorum because they're the royal family. How much more? Believers, we belong to the the highest of all royal families. The only, you know, we belong to the kingdom, the only kingdom that is from everlasting to everlasting, the only kingdom that will never ever fall. See, all the kingdoms of the world, they're gonna disappear very quickly. At the return of our Lord Jesus Christ, it will take it will be no effort. They're all going to be taken out. We know. Because as believers, heaven is not our final destination. It's just going to be our waiting room. If we happen to pass from this world before the return of the Lord, heaven is our waiting room. Our final destination is this earth. We are coming back here because God is going to establish all things again. The heaven, you know, new heavens and new earth. So this is where we're coming back to, but not in its present form. We look forward to that new thing. You know, so really we are saints and it's going to be the home of righteousness so we can't keep telling ourselves, oh, no, I'm trying to be humble. No, no, I'm, I'm, I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner. I'm not a saint. If you're not a saint, then you don't belong to the Christ because, uh, because what he has done is transformed sinners to saints. And there'll be no further atonement. He's done it once for all on the cross at Calvary. And if that is not sufficient to transform you, then nothing will because he's giving you the Holy Spirit, like I said earlier. There's no point you praying for the Holy Spirit. We already have the Holy Spirit in us. Every believer has we have been sealed with him. You know, that's the, that's God's um, assurance to us that we belong to him. So the problem that many will have is the fact that they have not submitted themselves to the authority and leadership of the Holy Spirit. 
you know, and you know what? He will not force himself on you. He will not force us to do anything because we are given the option to live right before God or be who we were, in which case we never were saved. I don't believe any true Christian can ever fall away. Like Peter said, they were not of us. You know, if they had been part of us, they would have stayed. They left because they were never a part of us. These were people who were walking with them before, who were in the church. So, you know, we have a lot of uh, superficial Christians, especially with all the falsehood that's been taught as Christianity and salvation these days. A lot of non-saving faith exists, a lot of, um, you know, uh, superficial salvation, a lot of false belief systems. And this is what we're saying about prayers. How can a person stand and tell you, you are praying to the sovereign God, the most holy, high, eternal one. And you standing there punching the air and telling me, and I decree and I command. And who do you think you are? You know, you can't pray like that and expect your voice to be heard in heaven. You're standing all before God. And this is why I said you cannot pray effectively unless you know God. If you know God, you will know how to conduct yourself in his presence. How can I say, and I declare, and I decree, and I declare, and I proclaim, and I, who are you? We're nothing. We're just ransomed sinners. Yes, we are saints. Yes, we are children of God. But he does not equate us with God. Not at any level. And then we have those who teach that you are little gods. And so you've got the authority to, 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 to produce and to do things. I'm yet to see one of them, just one of them. Even Benny Hinn is the king of such foolish teaching. I'm yet to see him produce one thing. They can't produce a thing. And I don't know when people are going to come to their senses and realize they're being told nonsense and being taught lies. And they're just wasting their time and wasting their lives, really, because this moment is what I've got. I don't know if I'm going to be here tomorrow. So I don't want to waste this moment or waste this day in foolishness. No. When I come in with the Father, I want to know. I want to be assured. I want to, I want to believe that I, I know who, to whom I'm speaking. I never pray and walk away thinking, well, let's hope he answers that one, <laughs> which is exactly the situation of many people who claim to be believers. Oh, I hope God has heard. Well, I hope he hears. I hope he answers. No, no. You should have the assurance when you when you pray that God has heard you. He's not deaf. He's told, he's, he's told us in his word. He says, my, my ears are not too dull to hear, nor my arms too short to deliver. Well, the problem is how we ask. James said it, you know, when he said, um, what causes fights and quarrels amongst you? He said, um, you want something, you don't have it. You, you fight and you quarrel. Let me see. Um, he said, you don't ask because um, you don't have, here we go, What James chapter 4, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You want something but don't get it. You kill and covet, but you cannot have what you want. You quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you must spend what you get on your pleasures. Exactly. I said it earlier that God will never encourage our carnality. He will never promote our sense of greed because these are things he's told us to, re, to, to desist from. These are the very things that we have been delivered from. You know, we've been, when you ask a lot of um, professing Christians, exactly what have you been saved from? They say they're saved. Okay, good. Rejoice with you. But what have you been saved from? They tell I've been saved from hell. 
Really? Is that it? No. Primarily, we are saved from sin. That's what. We are saved from our sin. The consequences of sin is death, which then is, which of course will be eternal hell if we, for those who persist that way. But Jesus didn't come just to save us from hell. He came to save us from sin. But you see, people say they are saved and say Jesus is Lord. That they actually taught the right slogans to to say all over the place. I'm blessed and highly favored. Jesus is Lord. I'm this and that. I'm a child of God. Oh yeah, I'm seated in the heavenly realms. But then their lives are so filthy, so carnal. It's shocking. You will look at them and they tell you they're Christian and say, No, you're not. No, you're not. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter where you go to church six days a week. That's not the issue. What? The transformation in our lives is invisible because it should be. We're supposed to be to be producing the fruit of the spirit. And these are the same kind of people who would be stomping their feet and punching up into heaven and telling God how they deserve a four by four Mercedes Benz because their unbelieving neighbors have got it. And as a child of the kingdom, Father, you need to let them know that I am yours. <laughs> you know, stupid things like that. I do hear those things. I mean, I don't pray with everybody, I must say. I mean, I'm not wanting to sound arrogant, but I'm sorry. I revere my God who is in heaven. I revere my father so much that I don't just go before him recklessly with foolish talk. I don't. And I would ask for things that pertain to carnality because God is never going to... Well, I thank God he's delivered me from that anyway. But there's no way he's going to protect my... my, uh, uh, encourage my sense of covetousness and greed. I don't want something just because somebody else has got it. No. I mean, people have said to me, I'll tell you what, now I'm single and people say to me, people have said to me, oh, come on, doesn't it bother you? People say, it's nice to have a partner. I'm going, well, it's good, yeah, but if it's God's will, if it's not God's will for me, I don't want it. I don't want anything that is not God's will for me. I'm happy. I'm pleased with God, whatever he's done in my life. I'm thankful for where I am. And you know what? I always say God is, um, I, I often make it, I dismiss it, you know, with a joke anyway, which is not so much a joke, but truth. Because what I say to people is, you know what? God chose to spare me the hassles of marriage. <laughs> I mean, I've seen a lot of marriages, a lot of good ones as well, I must tell you. But I know even the good ones are not without, you know, the sacrifices and the you know, stresses that have occurred and travailing and perseverance and endurance and trials. No, no, there's never a match made in heaven as such as people like to put it. It's two people putting in the right efforts and God blesses them. Always even better with their two believers. Wonderful. Because God sustains them. And you know what? Because they're, they're printed the same God. They have one accord and everything. So that really helps. But personally, I don't want anything God doesn't want for me. You know? And um, A.W. Tozer, um, I heard him say it once, which is, is beautiful because that happened to be my principle too. He said, um, I don't go um, wishing for anything. He said, why should I? I don't wish for anything because if I'm supposed to have it, God will give it to me. If he doesn't give it to me, it's because he doesn't want me to have it. And I'd rather not have it. And that's exactly my stance on everything, on everything. And I find that when you are like that, you have a lot of peace. You have a lot of peace in your life. And this is what everybody wants. Everybody's craving for peace. But no people are too troubled. And it disgusts me when believers, professing believers are like that. Busy, you know, craning their neck, trying to see what the neighbor's got, what the next man's got, what the next woman's got, and they must have it too. They must. And then they go before God to pray that. This person's got that, so I want it too. 
you know what? Um, African people, in particular Nigerians anyway, to be fair, because I'm more conversant with Nigerians. I've noticed one thing they do. Nigerians are never ever content. Well, most of them anyway. A person buys a car. He buys the leader Toyota Prius or something like that. And he says to a fellow believer, oh, look what the Lord has done. You know, oh, look, oh, oh, look what I just got. I just got myself a car, you know. And the person goes, oh, glory be to God. Next one, God will give you a Mercedes. What's that? They build a house. Oh, look, I just built a, you know, I built a little four, three, four bedroom bungalow. Thank God for that. And they go, oh, now they're praying for me. Oh, thank God for that. Thank God for that. The next one will be an eight bedroom mansion in Jesus name. What do you say? Why can you just not stay content? Just say thank you to God and leave it at that. No. Do they realize that somebody else does not even have a bicycle? Do they realize that somebody else does not even have a home? No, but people are never content with where they are. Meanwhile, the Bible teaches us very clearly that godliness with contentment is great gain. But our people are restless. And they're believers. In who they believe, I don't know. Because they're so restless. They need more of this and more of that. The birthday greetings make me really laugh, you know. Almost every birthday greeting comes with, oh, this time next year, you'll have more wealth, you have more prosperity. To do what with? What's, why? Why aren't you just thankful? You know, just say, happy birthday. Glory be to God for your life. That's enough for me. That is enough for me. You know, what people say, isn't a stupid one? That some, some, some will even say to themselves, oh, well, happy birthday. And you know what? Before the Lord, 200 years is like a day. It is like 100 years. It's like 200 years. What are you talking about? What does that mean? They're not going to live for 200 years anyway, in the first place on earth. So I don't know what you're talking about. We're all going to live eternally. Yes, but not in this present world as we know it. So there's so many futilities that go under the name of prayer. That shouldn't be so. And those sort of things that people call prayer, you don't even find them anywhere in the Bible. That is why it is so important to know your scriptures. The best time you can invest in any day is time spent in the presence of God, studying the word of God. Because this is how you know God. When you know God, you will be, and if you will pray effectively, you will not be wasting time and wasting saliva and wasting your life shouting out useless, meaningless, futile, empty words that irritate the Lord. Yes, you'd be surprised. Some prayers irritate God. I mean, here we go again with African prayers. People standing there telling, praying against their enemies, how their enemies should die, how their enemies should, 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 should be struck by thunder, how their enemies should fall into holes, how their enemies should... What's all that? That's witchcraft. That's witchcraft. And there are no directives whatsoever, no directives at all, anywhere in Scripture, Old or New Testament, telling you to be cursing up enemies. It's not done. What our Lord, the Lord who answers our prayers, <laughs> and who will answer any, any prayers we put up to him, that is, the Lord who we expect, rather, to answer our prayers, what he said is, bless those who persecute you. Bless your enemies. Bless and do not curse. So where some person stands, call themselves a servant of God, and leads others in witchcraft, which they call prayers, cursing people, decreeing death on people, 
calling down calamities and woes on people just to protect for their own personal benefit because they reckon somebody somewhere, very African thing this, reckon somebody somewhere is um, disturbing their destiny, is preventing them from becoming rich, is preventing them from being married, is preventing them from having wealth, is preventing them from career progression, is preventing them from having, having children. So they're cursing our people. And then they end it all with, in Jesus' name. How dare they? If you pray like that, how dare you? The holy name of God in evil? Oh, come on. And people want that to be answered. They call it prayer. It's not prayer. It's not prayer. It is curses. It is cursing. And you know what? The funny thing is, those curses don't even have any effect. You're not talking to anyone. God is not going to curse anybody on your behalf. God is not going to strike anyone dead on your behalf. Who are you? If indeed you are a believer, you're just around some sinner yourself. How would, if God has struck you down, you wouldn't be here praying or attempting to pray anyway. But we thank God. We have received much grace and we are expected to give back as much as we received. Grace mm-hmm. to everyone who offends us. We pray. We're actually instructed if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If your enemy is thirsty, give him water to drink. That's the instruction from the holy God. So how we unholy people, well, the well, the people who give such instructions are unholy. We are all called to holiness. We've been saved from sin. We cannot keep on living in sin. That's why we ask God for forgiveness of our sins. We clear our conscience before God, before we, before we actually approach him and, and speak to him about anything else. Because the Bible teaches us very clearly that those who continue to sin are the children of the devil. So no one who is born of God will continue to sin. He cannot continue to sin because God's seed remains in him. It's God's Holy Spirit who leads and directs us. So prayer also is asking for guidance in God's will. This is what prayer really ought to be. That's why I said it is worship, coming before God and, and, and praising him for who he is, all he has done, all he is doing, all he will do. And then asking him to sustain you, to continue to live for him. I don't want God to preserve me so that one day I can build a house. But what use is that? The house is going to come down anyway, eventually, when everything else is taken down in the world. No. But I would ask God to preserve me so I can serve him more. I would ask God to preserve me so that I can I can do his will more, so that I can have opportunity to teach my children's children and their children and their children, as many generations as the Lord will would grant me. The knowledge of the living God. Why would God resist such a prayer? It is a prayer after his heart, after his will. Asking God to help me rise above temptation all the time. To help me stand up in a time of trial. I'm not asking to take the trial away. Now, I used to make that mistake when I, when, <laughs> as a new Christian when I had trials. And believe me, I've had quite a few. I can't even say I'm not living in trials at the moment, or perpetually. It seems I'm always in one trial or the other. But you know what? They become such a pleasure to me because they reassure me that God's, you know, God is eyes on me and he's still refining me and is, you know, he's still fixing me up to be that desirable servant that he wants. And I'm pleased because not once have I ever fallen under, under any. And these are the exact words of scripture. That God is faithful, that when we go through trial, he will not let us undergo anything, anything more than we can bear. That is so true. That is so true. So I don't, I, I, I'm not very thankful to people when they say, oh, well, may trials not come your way. Think, what are you doing? No. 
I don't say amen to everybody or every prayer that people say for me or to me. I don't. I don't because a lot of those prayers are not in line with God's will. I know God's will for my life. I know that in, in letting me go through trials is because it's refining me. And I appreciate the discipline. I do. I never used to understand. But when I came to understanding of who God is, which is what I said, the more you read the word, the more you know God, the more intimate you are with him. And, you know, and the more you understand his ways, the more you understand his will. People ask what the will of God is, what's the will of God for my life? I don't want the will of... And I always say, start with obeying the word. Start with studying the word and obeying everything you read. Start there. Then you know the will of God. His will is not hidden. What I've noticed, actually, is when people are asking me that question, it's because they're wanting some kind of answer like, oh, yeah, God wants you to be a pastor. God wants you to be a prophet and all that. I don't know that. And don't let anyone deceive you into that. God calls his own. The Lord calls. He gives his servants to the church. It's very made very clear in chapter 4 of Ephesians that he gave some to be apostles, to be prophets, evangelists, teachers, and all that. He, they are gifts of God. You know, but when people are asking that, usually they're asking for something for selfish reasons. But my answer is always to say, start with studying the word and obeying everything you read. Start from there and everything else will fall into place for you. You get greater understanding as you move along with God. You will understand better. So another thing, prayer, uh-huh, as I was saying about uh, this matter of obedience, God does not, you know, he doesn't listen to the disobedient because the disobedient do not revere him. And we know that when our Lord taught us how to pray, said, our father who is in heaven, hallowed be thy name hallowed be thy name which means your name is most holy your name is most high your name is to be revered your name is to be feared your name is hallowed <laughs> i couldn't describe it anymore it's just god's name is just so awesome so it bothers me when i hear people who just say oh god almighty what or people who swear in the name of jesus you know my colleagues where I work, I mean, I've been in the same place for, I've worked in the same bank for 18 years now, and um, I happen to, used to, it's amazing, you know, little by little, the Lord's moved them on. But people around me used to swear a lot around me, and there were two people in particular who, you know, just dropped the name of Jesus every second as a swear word. And I would look up and say, he's not a swear word. And because the only I was Christian, I said, oh, sorry, Sarah. And they'll do it again another time. I mean, this happened all the time. They were always effing and blinding, which I've learned to sort of shut my ears to. But whenever I had the name of the Lord used in such exclamation, I would look up me and I say, he's not a swear word. And they would apologize. And it got to the point where as soon as it dropped, they were trying very hard to stop it. I knew they were. So when they accidentally did, they look up and I said, sorry, Sarah, sorry about that. You know, they would apologize themselves because they knew I would resist that. His name is to be hallowed. I never mention the name of the Lord or the Father, except in prayer or in preaching or teaching. I don't. I don't because if I'm busy, you know, and we know the commandment that says, thou shalt not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. And if I'm busy just dropping the name God, 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 Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ all over the place, when I do call out in prayer and say, Lord Jesus Christ, you think, oh, she's just doing nothing again. Well, because I never take his name seriously, so he wouldn't take me seriously. 
when I say Heavenly God and Father, he listens to me because he knows I want to communicate. He knows I'm calling to communicate. But if I'm dropping it all over the place in every conversation and to to testify to myself before some people do that, you know, and say, oh, I swear by the name of God and things like that. Oh, so irreverent. People cannot. You, you, you cannot use the name of the of the Lord or the Father so irreverently all the time. And then expect that at one point when you want to pray, he will take you seriously. Why would he know you want to pray this time? I mean, I know God knows everything. But what I'm saying is you cannot be taken seriously. Because you presented yourself before him as a clown of sorts from the beginning. So prayer, another thing, must be selfless. Must be very selfless. I um, I don't like it personally when we're saying the church fellowship. And we're praying, we're praying in tongues, you know, anyone prays, uh, you know, as part of the fellowship, we're all meeting, we're all here for the same purpose of glorifying God, of worshipping the Lord Jesus Christ. So anyone and everyone can pray. And people say, and I thank you that I am and I am and I, 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 what, what's that all about? We're here together as a family of God. Prayer has got to be selfless. That's why when, when our Lord taught this prayer, the model prayer, he didn't say, he said, we, our, our Father who is in heaven. Matthew chapter 6. Our Father in heaven. He didn't say, my Father in heaven. And then, it, you know, he says, um, give us today. He didn't say, give me today my daily bread. Forgive me my debts as I also forgive my debtors. Lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from the evil one. No, it was us, we, us, we. When we pray. Prayers that delight God. God is not selfish. So he cannot have selfish children. Look, the whole purpose behind our salvation, the aim of our salvation, is to deliver a people holy to God. A people whom God desires to be with him for all eternity. Now, the beautiful thing about our salvation is this. God knew before we were ever created. Yeah? The Bible tells us in Ephesians that before the foundation of the earth was laid, God chose us. That is how privileged we are. You know, Ephesians um, 1, I take it from verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessings in Christ. Let me stop there for a minute. Paul said, who has blessed us? He didn't say who is going to bless us. Who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ? We've got all these blessings already. Every spiritual blessings. The armor of God. I did a series on that some um, months back. The armor of God with which to fight the evil one. You know, the, the, the Holy Spirit of God is in us to lead us, to teach us, to strengthen us, to comfort us. We've got the wisdom of God blessed. It's a blessing. Through the Holy Spirit, we've got knowledge of the will and word of God from the blessing, uh, as part of the blessing from the Holy Spirit. He He leads us, He gives us understanding. But then, you know, a lot of it depends on how well, how, how devoted we are. <laughs> Where we have been given, He said, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. All the things we need. That's what I'm saying. It's not quite you saying, oh, Father, you know, uh, bless the Holy Spirit, come down, come down for what? Yes, we pray for revival, but that's not the Holy Spirit coming down and doing something phenomenal per se. 
there is an end to revival. It's just actually being conscious of God and repenting and things. And so we pray that that's, I don't want to go into revival now because I could be there forever. But nevertheless, there are a lot of things that people pray for that you already have. You already have. Asking God for your daily bread. Like I said, did he not feed you yesterday? Asking God for, oh, uh, oh, please protect me. I'm going out today, protect me. He protected you yesterday. He's protected all your life. You know? Well, anyway. <clears throat> so now, in verse 4, what I was saying, he said, For he chose us in him, that is, in Christ Jesus, before the creation of the world, to be holy and blameless in his sight. See? In love, he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has really given us in the one he loves. Grace. We've been saved by grace. We've been predestined for his pleasure. Do you see yourself since becoming a believer as a pleasure and delight in the eyes of God? Do you? Because you should, if you are truly obedient and walking in truth. And he saved us for that reason. He, God wants a people who will be with him forever. And that's why I said, and the scripture makes clear, that heaven is not our final destination. Heaven is our waiting room. For those of us who are called away from this nasty world, <laughs> before the return of the Lord Jesus Christ, we will be in heaven glorifying God. Praising God, enjoying his company. We'll be sinless. We'll be in a praise free of sin. We'll have our new immortal bodies. It's just going to be fantastic. It's just going to be wonderful. I look forward to it. I'm not terrified of death. I used to be. Well, not since I came to know the Lord. I know his heavenly promises. This is what we're talking about. People are asking for not to die. Why are you asking not to die? Is that a prayer? You will. Everybody has to go. God, <laughs> we all have to get out of here. Unless, of course, the Lord Jesus Christ returns first. But then that's the thing. This is why I say a knowledge of God and his word is very important to, to, to sensible and effective prayers. Because if you know the Lord, you would know that believers don't actually die. We fall asleep. We fall asleep and wake up in, in the presence of the Lord. Now, everybody does. <laughs> you know, nobody, everybody's going to live forever with God eternally or in hell. Every single person is going to live forever. There's not going to be a case of, uh, of uh, uh, annihilation in hell where people are just going to be burned to death and that's that. No, it's going to be perpetual, eternal suffering. You know? So we're all going to live forever. But where? I see a lot of people, tragically, who claim to be Christians but you can see they already have their reservation in hell. They see nothing wrong with the way they live before. Their lives have not been transformed. They've got non-saving faith. That's the trouble. The easy believers in that's been sold to them. False salvation. They're living in crass immorality. I'll tell you this in closing. It's a shame, really, because I haven't gone around to talking about the modal prayer of the Lord. I'm breaking it down. So obviously there's going to be a final part to this. And also, I, I want to examine some of the prayers of the saints in the Bible, the, the apostles, how they prayed for the church. You know, we don't see them there claiming, declaring, proclaiming and um, ordering and commanding God to do anything. 
nor do we see any prayers there for horses and for chariots and for houses and for mansions and for boats or ships or whatever it was they needed in those days. We don't see such things. We don't see them asking God to provide their daily bread or anything like that. But all those things were looked after and taken care of by God because God ain't kidding. His word is truth. But how well do you know his word? And how much do you believe his word? So I was in Nigeria some months back and uh, this um, young friend of mine who was um, driving me out somewhere and um, it was just the two of us in the car and his phone rang while he was driving and he answered it by picking it up and I said um, when he finished his conversation it was quite a brief conversation I said why answer the phone by hand you've got the bluetooth facility in your phone you know could have just put that on speaker said no no i can't do that i said what do you mean you can't do that i said who's interested in your conversation no no it's not nothing to do with you but you know if my wife were in the car so i said yeah what's wrong with your wife hearing your conversation if she were in the car I said oh dear are you kidding me that would be hell so i said are you telling me that that phone conversation that you can and do receive phone conversations that your wife cannot hear. I said, um, now he claims he's a born-again Christian, by the way. So I said, um, do they not teach about adultery and, you know, things like that? You know, do they not teach about adultery in your church? He went, oh, come on, leave adultery. Don't worry about adultery. That's how we enjoy ourselves around here. That's a born-again Christian. This was only a few months ago. He said, ah, forget about adultery. That's how we enjoy ourselves around here. I said, is it really? Well, well, well. I said, well, that's a shame because such enjoyment is going to have its consequences. Now, in the same journey, we're still going. We're almost at my hotel now. He was taking me a a ride back to my hotel. So on the way, we stopped at a supermarket. And I was picking up some items. And I picked up a bottle of wine, you know. And um, we got to the till. I'm going to pay for those things. And um, the cashier happened to be a very young girl. And he knew her. And he said, Oh, and he said to her, do you go to blah, blah, blah church? And she said, yes. And he said, yeah, you're a worker, aren't you? She said, yes, that's what they call themselves in the ushers and things. And call them church busybodies, really. They really should be busy sitting and listening to someone. But then in those churches, they don't really have sermons. They, you know, so I'm not surprised. Never mind. Let me not digress. Anyway, <laughs> and then he said to her, I've been established that um, they're members of the same church. He said, oh, the wine is not mine, by the way before you go and tell pastor tomorrow. And I thought, wow. I said, when we left, I said, you know what? I do not admire your Christianity. I said, a few minutes ago, you told me adultery is nothing, and that's how you enjoy yourselves. So we get to the till. I've got a bottle of wine amongst everything else I'm buying. And you were telling a fellow human that you're disclaiming ownership of the wine before she goes to tell pastor in the morning. I said, listen. Who exactly is your savior? The Lord Jesus Christ, who sees all your adulterous um, shenanigans, or your pastor, from whom you, uh, whom you would rather not know, you wouldn't want to know that you were seen purchasing a bottle of wine. I said, you've got issues, brother. You have got issues. But this is what a lot of people call Christianity. He's happy. He said, oh, forget about the adultery. That's how we enjoy ourselves around here. But he distanced himself from a bottle of red wine on the till. Incredible. But well, there you go.
So prayers. And such a one also will pray. He will tell you he prays because he's a Christian. Would God listen to such? No, he wouldn't. Because you're steeped in filth. And you think it's fine. No, it's not fine. God is holy. And we, he says, must be holy. So, Father, we thank you. We thank you for the opportunity we've had today to share your word, to learn from you, eternal King of glory. We ask, O oh Lord, that you grant us understanding of your will and your ways, that we may be children of delight in your eyes, O oh Lord. Help us to walk accordingly. Help us to live lives that bring you glory. Help us to live lives that portray the beauty of our blessed Savior who gave himself for us. Help us to give ourselves back to you, Lord Jesus, in holy sacrifice, living as living sacrifices of praise unto you, that in all things that we say, think, and do, wherever we may be, you may be glorified and our Father in heaven glorified. We ask this, Lord Jesus, in your most holy name. Amen. Thank you for watching and God bless and be with you all. Until the next time, I'm Sarah Jala Emmanuel, and I will be back with a concluding part to the series of Praying Effectively. God bless and keep you.